Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. <laughs> for the first time. Definitely for the first for time. The first your relationship time coach, today. your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Man, I love that music. <laughs> Just get your toe a tap. It feels so right. You feel better? It feels correct. This is the right music. I like yes. this music. Do you yeah. like this? I like yeah. this music. You know, this music goes with the show. It goes with the show. It's the theme show music. Anyway, welcome to the program. Today, we've got a great show for you. It's cold. It's Ugh, cold. It's too cold. It, it's cold. Have you guys heard? I think Colorado's frozen solid. It was a blizzard yesterday, though. Blizzard. At least today, it's not snowing actively. No. It was. It's snowing inactively, but it's cold. It's I'd cold. rather I'd rather have it being snow. I would... I would I would rather there be active snowfall. What is he talking about? <laughs> okay, let's see where this goes. It, then it be cold. Uh, so, like, I don't mind the snow coming down. I just hate it when it's cold. But it is cold when the it's snow's active. Not always Yesterday cold. was freezing. It was windy and blizzard snow. I think it's colder today than it was yesterday. My seats but are yesterday, heated. I've got heated was, seats. There is snow. I don't, That's my I don't favorite my part of my car. car. All day. Oh, I do. Yeah. I don't even need to. I just, I just sit out there. Just idle. <laughs> You know, I could just walk out near your car and just start ripping up dollar bills oh, yeah. and watch it with your seat heater but, yeah. and the car. <laughs> but if you had a seat as warm as mine, you wouldn't ever want to leave. Warm seat. How great would it be if we lived in a society where in the winter all the seats were heated? Like you came in the studio and yeah, these seats were I heated. I think it's a right. There's... I think everybody has a right to a warm seat. This sounds like an meal. amendment to the Constitution. That can needs it, can to it be an option, though? Because yeah. sometimes I don't like the warm seat. You can seat, turn it off. Even during wintertime. Would you rather have a cold seat? Sometimes I would. What kind of man are you? Sometimes I get hot when I'm inside for a long time. <sighs> anyway, today we're talking about leadership. If I was a leader, warm seats for everybody. If I was a president of the United States, sure, health care, whatever, warm seats. I don't know if I'd vote for you, but I would definitely not not vote for you. Okay. I would not vote for you. Oh, there it is. Not or not not. I would I would definitely not. Do you vote, vote for, for sure you. not? I would for surely vote for not vote for you. It's rude. That sentence reminded me of the ballots from the 2004 election. Yeah. He's let's just call Skyboy a hanging chad. <laughs> okay. He is a hanging chad. <laughs> no, actually that was a pretty clear shot. You do not want me you would not vote for me. I would not vote for you. Not, not. No, just not. Your mom would vote for me. She probably would. Your mom's a great lady. She's awesome. There's worse people out there. Yeah. Yeah, her child. <laughs> I mean, hypothetically. Hypo. No. My, my sister. No, we're talking about you. On the show today, we're talking about authentic <laughs> leadership, but also, apparently, there's a big deal about risk. Like, to be a leader... You have to kind of take some risks. Like I'm taking a risk saying I would give everyone a warm seat. That's risky. I may not get elected on that, <laughs> but I'm willing to take the risk. But I have a feeling some people have been uh, elected on less. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have. And then what happens, these leaders get used to taking the risks. Then they get – it's like a drug. It's like dopamine. 
What's what's cool is okay, so dopamine. That's the thing in your brain that gives you the thumbs up for doing something. Yeah, it's the dopey chemistry. <laughs> Makes you, you get dopey. doped up on dopamine. Um yeah, that's the thing that rewards you. Okay, that's what says, mm, Good job, that yum, thing yum. you did, do yeah. that more. Okay. There's another thing in your brain, adrenaline. Mm. I don't have enough of that. Um, do you though? I think mine is shutting down. You need you need new kidneys then. Is that the problem? That's where they, that's where it comes from. Let's get you some new kidneys. <sighs> Darn it. Big old adrenaline glands on those kidneys. <laughs> How much are kidneys costing now? About 40,000. I think I saw them at Walmart, two for 20. Those are just kidney beans. Not the same. Have oh, tried. Different. Not the same. Okay. So dopamine Dopamine's makes us dopey. Good. Adrenaline gets us all pumped up and energized. So there's a cool difference in the purposes that they serve. Dopamine is there to encourage behavior. Okay. Okay. Adrenaline is there to get you out of a dangerous situation. So you don't like, hey, look out! There's a truck. There's a bear. Run away. Look out for the bear. So, what sort of happens? So, so people think that they, they'll call them an adrenaline junkie, or they'll call them like oh. that, that's what they're they're into. That's actually a confusion. So, like taking risk, not the same <laughs> as being an adrenaline junkie. So, because they're working on different systems. But see, like to me, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to run for office. That's very risky. My wife said. She will never marry a pilot or a politician. But she didn't say she wouldn't marry someone who would become a pilot or a politician. Actually, she did say that. Oh, she did say or, that. Yeah. T- test, test her mettle. See if she will uh, become a pilot and a politician. Yeah, that's true. But see, I flew a lot in airplanes. That's like being a pilot. And I never would have run for, to be a politician. That would be horrible. Just be like, uh, but I'm not. See, I'm risk averse. I'm not going to do that. I would rather get on the air and ad lib for two hours. What's the worst thing that could happen? Eh, we could just, you know, get heavy fines from the FCC. Yeah, but not fines on me. Watch out! Not my problem. That's just my job. Um, risk good. So okay. So when you take risks and it works, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's working on your dopamine system. That's okay. reward. That's saying that's hey, a high good five. Risk. Okay, but yeah. for some reason, people get people will get it confused. Uh, with adrenaline, like, oh, I did something incredibly dumb, yeah. but I lived, but I didn't know I was going to make it, so my body shot a whole bunch of adrenaline through my veins. Good? Yeah. Well, we'll get it confused. See, that's crazy. See, there's those people that jump out of airplanes. That's crazy. Yeah. I've done, I went up with a pilot, and we did, Arab, what's it called, acrobatic maneuvers over Sundance, Utah. Did you pass out? I'm not sure. I can't Blackout, remember. pass out. I, I can't remember what happened. Is that just, just like riding a roller coaster, though? No, it's not. Mm. It's like riding a death stick to your death. And he's like, "Hey, okay, what we're going?" He's so calm. What we're going to do now is a uh, we're going to do a whip stall, and I'm going to go. I'm going to take you straight up. We're going to be heading straight for the sky. Then you're going to hear the engine stop working because it's just not going to be able to pull the airplane any farther. Then we're going to start fading back on our back, and you'll feel that you'll fall right back. And then you're just going to kind of – then we're just going to – all of a sudden the engine's going to pull the airplane around. We call that the whip, and uh, the, the the airplane will actually be stalled, and then we'll start the airplane back up. Are you ready? Yes. And we did it. Oh my god! That sounds it was pretty the worst fun, experience of my <laughs> I think life. Be awesome. Whenever I do really scary stuff, I just close my eyes and just go to I tried go that. to another place. I tried that, and then he's like, "Are you okay back there?" I'm like, 
because I was supposed to bear down. It's terrible if someone talks to you when you're freaking out yeah. and you're trying to like. Stay well, then calm. you got to act cool after. How do you act cool after you, you you're about to lose everything? Just go crazy. And he's like, I can get you back to the airport in one minute, two minutes. Just let me know if you're fine. I'm like, no, I'm a man. I was sweating like a dog. It's freezing cold up there. Choking, I'm fine. Choking back the vomit. Choking it back. And I had to act cool. But adrenaline, me no like. And I thought I would like it. I did apparently 13 maneuvers that I don't remember half of them. You're like, I, you just know you got on that plane, words were said, yeah. and then you got off. He even You're said, alive. Matt, why don't you do it this time? Now you do it. And he said, just hold the stick in front of you. Just pull it back. Go start straight back. Well, let's just do a little barrel roll. And I started doing it, and I'm passing out halfway through. Somehow he, I guess, had, he kept his hand on it because I'm here. Adrenaline. Or are you here? No, no, I don't like it. I don't so, like adrenaline. So I, mean, I don't, like it. So but. don't get your risky behaviors mixed up mixed with up. adrenaline. Don't don't get your dopamine. See, because like a politician saving a lot, I mean, saving a, a program and fixing it and helping so many people, that could be a dopamine fix. That's yeah. That's saying, hey, good job, you did something. But good. then when that that politician becomes an addict and gets bad press and embarrasses an entire city, like like some have done, like. <laughs> Like some Toronto mayors may have done. Like some ter- may or may hypothetical have Toronto mayors have done. Maybe Why? they were up on another risk. They were not on the dopamine risk. They were on the adrenaline risk. Adrenaline risk. What do you think, Sky? I was just wondering why you pointed at me. Well, we think you look a lot like that mayor. Oh, okay. We think you look like the young version of that mayor. Okay. Because I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever. Well, look him up. Have you seen him? Look I him haven't. Up. I think he's a your spitting image. You could be his son. <sighs> Check it out. A lot of people say I look like Dexter. Yes, I absolutely Dexter see that. Dexter on Dexter from the show Dexter. Oh. Oh, no. I don't know that guy. Okay. I've also gotten Blake Griffin a lot. Yeah, sure. I've heard a lot of people say the guy on Mad Magazine. I've gotten that too when I was What's younger. What's his name? Alfredy Newman. Yep, yeah, I thought. <clears throat> wow, that was You I've, were on top of that. Well, well, I been... think I think this the mayor of Toronto, that guy is you. And can you believe I used to part my hair to the side like Alfred E. Newman? Ooh. So, glad you stopped you really? doing that. Well, that was like in second grade. Yeah. When you weren't the one doing your hair. When I was the one not doing my hair. But yeah. you, yeah. Do you guys take risks? Are you very, are you big risk takers? Uh, no. Would you go up in an airplane and almost die? I don't see that as all that risky, though. I've been oh, skydiving. I didn't either. Well, yeah, you have. Yeah. But that's different because you were strapped to some lady's back. Yeah. So you had to you had to go tandem with a lady that was going to help you down. Actually, I was in the front and it was a guy, but yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Were you afraid? No. Let's. I've seen the video. You haven't seen the video? No, I've seen the video. It's <laughs> hilarious. Video. It's totally funny. That's funny. It was fun. Did you die? Uh, yeah. How'd that feel? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've had worse. <laughs> when it when it comes to risk, I, I divide it into two categories. There's necessary risk and unnecessary risk. Yeah. I stay away from unnecessary risk. There's necessary risk like driving on the highway last night when it was, that was still risky. blizzarding. That was super risky. That took a long time to get I might have died six or seven times. Yeah. By the way, Sky just saw the picture of the mayor. He doesn't look like him at all. <laughs> Spitting image. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's totally you, but he's just a little older. Just a little older. A little less Skyler, a little, a little more Chris Farley. A little bit more gray hair. Other than that, though. But I think he lives on the edge like you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, been, he's, been, he's been in fights with bikers before. Has he been skydiving? Oh, yeah. I got, I got in a fight with a biker. Oh, yeah. 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 
something like that. Well, it was Grannies Across America. It was a it yeah, was a and I didn't senior. I didn't initiate wait, wait, wait. the fight. Did our show just have our first across? Did I did I say it? Matt just gave us our first across instead of the word across. Across America. You said across. That's I said I, Grannies like, across across America. That's some, that's a word I only hear in Arizona, Utah. Nevada and Idaho across. Well, it's no, it's an intermountain thing. It's an intermountain thing. Just adding on T's, which is weird. You took the T out of mountain and slapped it onto across. Ma- uh-huh. Mountain. <laughs> mountain. Um, anyway, risk taking and leadership. But the bigger thing is, then all of a sudden, I think we kind of think, you know, because if you think about it, it's a scary deal to have to lead, for example, a company of two thousand people. That's a big risk. And the guy that's in that position probably risked a lot to get there. Definitely. Risk is, uh, risk is really cool. Okay, Here, Here's some things that I kind of agree with, kind of, kind of don't agree okay. with concerning risk. One is that um, otherwise unforeseen opportunities often come from risk-taking. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I agree. Um, what about taking risk shows confidence and helps you stand out? Well, sometimes risk is stupid. Uh, yes. So I don't think it's about showing confidence. I mean, it is confidence, if, I guess, if you're doing it intelligently. It doesn't necessarily show confidence. It just yeah. shows success or failure. If you just go watch any fail video on YouTube. Oh, I saw a good one the other day. A guy mm-hmm. runs up to like a pillar in the mall. Yeah. And he goes to, to run up it and do a backflip yeah, in front of a whole parkour movement. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? He put his foot in it and the sheetrock caved in. And so he pretty much kicked a hole yeah. in... This little pillar got stuck, and was then that just a healthy risk? No, that that's, was stupid. That's kind of cool, though, too. Oh, it was hilarious. I mean, I've never kicked a hole in a wall before. Well, but you're not a parkour expert. Yeah, but, but see, the guy was taking a risk. Had he pulled that off, someone might have asked for his number. I doubt it. But now he just all they did was call the hospital. Yeah, that's uh, so no. So no. Just because you take a risk doesn't mean you're smart. Well. Even those that do become successful, I feel like have a lot of failures before they're actually successful, particularly in like entrepreneurship. But yeah, well, think of that. Yeah, most businesses fail. By the way, so does so do most relationships. Yeah, most girlfriends taking risks are awesome. all of Sky's girlfriends have failed. Well, or somebody has. It's true. <laughs> it's like well, if they uh, hadn't, yeah, I'd yeah, be married yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, but so in the same sense, all of Bryce's girlfriends have failed. Am I right? No, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah, we're not talking about Bryce, though. There's a lot of people like that, Matt. We can't all marry our preschool sweetheart. Our preschool. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. You know, some of us, you know, have it handed to us on a little preschool cracker. On a, one of those traffic mat things. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. I kind of remember my preschool sweetheart, actually. And back then, I did wear Superman capes to preschool. Did you? Yeah. Never ended, did it? <laughs> nope. Go with what works. <laughs> Go with Stick what to works. the formula. Stick to the formula. <laughs> it always got the girls in preschool. I'll keep trying it at Brigham Young University. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're talking today about risk-taking versus leadership and authentic leadership. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about risk-taking and leadership. How do they go together? You know, do you have to be a big risk-taker to be a leader? 
or do you need to just make sure you're taking the right risks? Or is a leader somebody that doesn't ever take a risk? Well, we're going to a rant from our own Bryce Lamar Tobin. Bryce, what uh, what's the rant about? The mechanics of risk and the ways that it uh, influences our behavior. Sounds risky. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. I don't like to take any risk I don't have to. This need is so strong that I can't fall asleep if part of my body is sticking out of my covers. If I should wake up in the middle of the night and realize my leg is sticking out, I have a little anxiety attack and I will furiously get that leg back under the covers. Why? Because if my leg is sticking out, the monsters can get it. And I don't need you to lecture me. I realize how irrational that is. But my brain doesn't care about your rationality. It wants to keep the leg. It's gotten used to it. But this idea of self-preservation is rather new to my world. It's a part of brain development, and it's slightly different for guys and girls. Can't speak for any of the ladies out there, but let me offer a little insight into the risk-taking behaviors of the teenage male brain. There's this scary symbiotic relationship that happens. We understand pain. That's not a difficult one. From that, we understand danger. Once we've got danger figured out, there's some exhilaration that comes from successfully avoiding danger. It's the brain's way of saying, hey, that could have hurt, but you avoided that. Good job avoiding pain. Thanks, brain. Then we become teenagers. We're more capable and we get ambitious in our dangerous behaviors. Then we get hurt and have the worst realization. As an adult, you'd expect a little logic. Something along the lines of, Hey, I didn't need to do that and it hurt, so I'm not going to do that again. But this is a teenager we're talking about. I see this all the time. They get hurt, but then they realize, Hey, wait a minute, I'm not made of glass. They come to the wrong conclusion. This is made even worse because it's going to be a few years before their brains figure out the concept of mortality. They take a little time, heal up, and then they get right back to it. So if you've never understood skateboarding, you do now. I was once a teenager, and I'm not really any different. Alright, story time. A little while ago, I went on a hike up a mountain with some people and we found a waterfall with a little pool. What a find, right? We were delighted. Then someone said, hey, let's do some cliff diving. The teenage Bryce of six or seven years ago would have leapt for joy at this idea. I'm a good climber. I'm a good jumper. I'm a good swimmer. I have the right skill set for this activity. But my reaction surprised myself. I was not excited about the idea. Like, not excited at all. The old me would have quickly imagined the best way to climb to the highest point, the best way to jump off, the craziest thing to do midair, and how to make the biggest splash. Sounds fun, right? What I did was quite the opposite. I analyzed everything. The water could carry diseases. It's hard to keep water out of your mouth when you hit it at a few dozen miles per hour. Not to mention the water was kind of murky. Dirt was soft and the waterfall was old, so we were pretty sure it was deep, but there was no way to know. Any submerged rocks at the bottom would be rather unforgiving to my bones. The climb up wasn't exactly like walking upstairs with a nice railing to hold onto. The climb was wet and wasn't even entirely over the water. What if I slipped? These rocks aren't submerged. They're going to be worse than the other ones. I don't have time to be hurt. I can't spend days in the hospital. I don't have the money for that. I don't have the time for that. I have things that need to get done. It may not be as fun, but safety finally became important to me. Now, this example is primarily physical, but we do the same thing for other facets of safety. We measure the risk, and if it seems too risky, we don't want anything to do with it. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Uh, You just described my life. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, you jumped on the "you're welcome" before I said thank you. You know, I just knew I knew it was you happening. You were anticipating. So I took a risk, and it worked. It totally worked out. The key to this, though, is see when you're younger, you have the chemistry to risk, or the lack of chemistry to not risk. Yeah, yeah, but your thoughts are different, right? So you're Definitely. thinking. So now, you know, when some when we go to Lake Powell or wherever, and they're like, "Hey, let's all jump off these tall rocks," yeah. I'm thinking that's stupid. You're like I don't, I don't have. Nope. Have you Do guys? Have you ever played? Um, have you ever played? Uh, what's it called? Baywatch. 
I've seen the show. Um, how do you play? How does one play <clears throat> Baywatch? Because just tell me if you'd risk. Well, like anytime, like I go around the beach and I try and kiss girls and be yeah, like, no. "Are you drowning?" No, 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 no. oh well, it doesn't so work out well. I can't we go get back in to a boat. Beaches. We get in a boat with an inboard motor, so you don't have a you don't have a propeller at the back of the boat. It's kind of more in the middle of the boat, right? Okay. Or yeah, it's inboard. I think they call that. And um, is it onboard? Is that it? I think it's. In- I don't boat. I don't have that yeah, kind of money. So we're sitting there. And my friend's like, what we're going to do is we're all going to line up in the boat, and then we're going to start the boat. We're going to go about, I don't know, five knots. <laughs> how many, I, don't, I don't know what a knot How many is. kilometers per hour is five but knots? they just take off, and then they're like, everybody just jump out of the boat in a line. Okay? You just jump out. Well, we were going fast. And I'm like, okay, but they're like, hold your neck, because you'll whiplash yourself if you don't. Hold just, your neck how? Like, just put your hands behind your neck and just hold okay. it and just dive in, because that's, I guess, how you jump out of a boat if you're going fast, and you're a Green Beret, um, or a Navy SEAL. Delta Force. That's how you do it. But So we all line up in a line. Then the boat turns around, and then it just slowly kind of idles back, and your job is to get on the boat. And then you climb on the back of the boat while the boat's idling, but you have to kind of wrestle with each other to get... Oh, that. So you oh. try to pull people out of the boat and you try to get in the boat. Yeah, we call it Baywatch. That's, I well, I, we did that once. That seems more like yeah. that seems more like you should call it Titanic. It was stupid. Like, hurry up, jump out. Okay, jump on this next boat. They didn't tell you you could be asphyxiated from uh, the engine no. they, exhaust blowing in your face. The only thing they mentioned was whiplash. Yeah, they, yeah. so I was fine. The whiplash actually did hurt me later, but I fell asleep on the ski board on the back of the boat, just back there asleep. Sounds like you had a great vacation. Risky. Risky. That's about <laughs> as risky as Matt gets. But I'm not doing naps. it anymore. See, but that is the problem. See, these, and this is what we're talking about on the show. Leaders might get into it because they like the chemistry of being the leader. They like hopping off the boat. They like hopping off the boat. They like the little potential of whiplash. They like the fact that you may die playing Baywatch. They like that, hey, you may even be asphyxiated. By your friends. By your friends. All these friends, all my friends that do it, they're all big leaders. But in the back, I'm back of the boat. I'm thinking, am I the only one with a brain? Because I'm never doing that again. And oh, they like did it three more times. So I'm like, not me. Like had the fun. That's and good. then they question, what? Are you not a man? And I'm like, no. And then I you got a brain. Sleep. You're like, am I? Am I? <sighs> I, I'm, I might be, but I can't move my toes, and I'm sleepy. <laughs> yeah. See, leadership, chemistry. Today we're talking to an expert. Steve Mundahl is going to be joining us. And Steve, he wrote a book that is all about the alchemy of of, uh, leadership, the chemistry, basically, of a leader and how sometimes that might set us up to, uh, you know, once you're a leader to go make some pretty big mistakes if you're not careful. So we're going to show you how to make it through your role as a leader, not getting too high on the chemistry, but being able to still stay authentic and be real. We're going to take a break. Back with Steve Mundahl after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about effective leadership, authentic leadership. Why is it that so many people, once they reach a certain point of leadership, fall apart? You know, they start to slide. They start making stupid mistakes. 
Let me just name a few names for you. People like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, General Petraeus, Tiger Woods, Bill Clinton, just to name a few. They reach this level of leadership, and then all of a sudden, boom, start to slide. Well, perhaps it's because we don't understand why leaders fall. And what if we could understand the principles that would keep you, that A, made you a leader, but also would help you sustain and maintain your role as a leader, not get sideswiped by the risk-taking you know, tendencies you have, by some of the chemistry that, uh, that might be associated with your role as a leader? Um, how do we watch out for that? So we decided to call in Stephen Mundahl. Stephen is the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries in Western Massachusetts. He teaches leadership and personal effectiveness in the graduate school at Bay Path College and is the author of the book, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. And he's going to teach us what really is, you know, what's the formula, what's the chemistry, what, what are the keys to not just being a leader, but making sure you don't fall. So listen up. Now remember, by the way, being a leader doesn't just mean you're the CEO of a company. You might be the father of a family. You might be a mother. You might be, um, you know, just have a really good friendship. But uh, you might fall into some of these same traits, some of these same behaviors. So, Steve, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it being on. You bet. So glad to have you. And this is, I think, it's such a, it's such an interesting topic. Just you know. It seems like every month we have another kind of fallen leader. In fact, even on my drive here today, I was thinking, are, are any leaders, you know, going to stick it out and make it work? I mean, it seems like even the greatest fall eventually. Is, is Are we just pessimistic? Are we negative? Or is there something about being a leader that might set you up to be more prone to fall? Well, that's a great question, and it's a, a pretty loaded question, actually. There, you know... Uh, Leadership can be defined in a lot of different ways, and it's not really a, a position that we hold. And I think people just really need to understand that I have known a whole lot of company leaders and school leaders and church leaders that really aren't very good leaders. Hmm. Uh, yet I've known a lot of moms and dads who are great leaders. Yeah, so right. It's really, a, it's really a state of being, isn't it? It's yeah. not a position at all. It's kind of a, a place that we all need to be, and we all need to be comfortable with our own with our own skin. If we're not, what happens is that sometimes power, uh, position, can kind of go to our heads and we can start doing some stupid things. We're all capable of it. We yeah. are all capable of it. It seems like we, we kind of get to this state of mind where we think it, it was actually us that was, the, you know, we're the ones that made the difference. We were the key. <laughs> and it's like the minute you start buying into you, uh, instead of the fact that, you know, you all these people helped you, People are you can't be a leader without people following, I'm assuming, and um, or at least getting some buy in from people. But the minute you forget the people, you're gone. Well, you're absolutely right. And and again, uh, oftentimes there is this kind of this inflated ego that we get that we're somehow uh, important people or that we have this kind of false sense of self-importance. You see it a lot in Hollywood. You certainly see it in politics. Uh, You see it in sports. 
And there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be the best right. uh, and wanting to be wanting to be very good at what we do. Uh, we, but there is a there's a, a very very slight seduction that often happens when we do get into these positions, and sometimes we really can get seduced by the little bit of power that we think we might have. Why? So, what is it then that you see as an expert, like a leadership expert, that lead? What else leads to this fall from grace? Well, we did, we did a lot of research for this book, and basically, um, you know, we all come from uh, childhood with, with, with unhealed uh, beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about the world, um, and they can really get exacerbated when we get into positions of power. Uh, we also um, have genetic fault lines. Uh, I certainly come from a family where there was alcohol tendencies, and uh, and so these are the kind of things that we really have to, to to watch out for. A good example is going on in Toronto, Canada, yeah. right now with Rob Ford, the mayor there, who he certainly didn't fall because uh, he's mayor. Right. He fell way before he became mayor. <laughs> he's just a public figure now. Yeah. So. You know, it, just because we take on the position doesn't mean that we that we somehow fall once we get there. We probably have fell long before that. It's just that we're now in the public eye. Uh, so there's a lot of pressures, and, and certainly there is a lot of pressure to being a leader that uh, other people might not necessarily have, and and we can we can succumb to all those uh, all those fall lines. Well, and it seems like you know if you're making decisions every day. That's got to take a toll on you, and especially making or, you know, being in important meetings and positions, you know, it seems like it would just drain you emotionally. And, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, your emotional strength is somewhat drained, and then other stuff starts to happen. Well, that's true, but you know, I kind of look at it like this: it's really not a—it's not a position of power. And and the minute we try to try to harness power for our own uses, it starts going haywire. Yeah. Uh, I like to think that the the best leaders are the ones who really practice uh, a servant leadership. They actually give their position, uh, the power of their position, away to other people. And what happens is you have a very strong team around you that steps up, and all of a sudden you now have several leaders, several strong leaders, not just not just one. And you know, I think the focus in our book, Matt, has been that this isn't a position. Leadership is not something we attain someday. Leadership is something that we need to attain right now, today. And we need to, uh, we, you know, if we're not going to lead our own lives, who is going to? Right. And we have to get past this idea that, oh, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, mm-hmm. or I'm a victim of this or that, or I'll never be rich. These are, um, you know, these are fallacies in, in our thinking that maybe were planted in us very, very early in life. Uh, and we need to kind of reprogram a lot of that stuff so that we can become the best leaders in, in, in our own lives. And that's really the key to, I think, to, to I agree. It seems like that that paradigm about leadership changes things. If everyone's a leader, then you're not just born into it. You, it just doesn't matter what your last name is. It's not your, it's not the school you go to per se. It's every dad is leading their family. Every mom is a leader in the family. Everybody has a role to play. And we all really have a following we should be answering to. Well, if, if, if everybody could embrace that uh, very sentence, I think we'd all be in better in better place, wouldn't we? Because yeah. we've all worked for people, men and women, who just do not um, 
who just do not demonstrate good leadership skills. They they have short fuses. They they favor one person over another. They think that they're important. This isn't leadership at all. Right. And and oftentimes um, leadership. We kind of believe that leadership will find you when you start embracing the characteristics of good leadership. Hmm. And and that is a lot of different things in life, but basically it's really kind of standing on the ethical foundation of who you are, being honest, um, speaking uh, with a certain amount of, of caring, and no matter what you do, no matter if you're leader of a company, the leader of the church, the leader of school, or the leader of your family, um, that is something that we all just need to learn. It isn't a position. Right state of being. Well, and, and, the, and the positions can come and go. If it's about a position, the minute you lose your position, you're done. Exactly. You've lost so, your power source. A lot of retired people, you know, that they, they their business card said that they were somebody kind of important, and all of a sudden retirement comes, and now right. they don't have that business card, that, that little thing that they can kind of hang from their shoulders. You know, and I see it all around me. I see young working moms who are working hard for their children every single day, uh, you know, taxing kids all over the place, being on the PTA, doing all the things that they need to do, living an ethical, clean life. This is true leadership. And sooner or later, these individuals will rise to the top, um, not because of uh, what, not because of a position that they hold, but because of who they are. Yeah, I love that. In your book, you talk about hedonic uh, adaptation. You know, big words, but basically adapting to your pleasure and excitement of something. Talk about that a minute. To me, that's a fascinating concept. Kind of a neat concept, and it's kind of a fa- it's kind of a fancy word that really just describes the fact that no matter what we do, after a while, the the high of doing it sort of wears off. So think of uh, think of that relationship, that special relationship that you're in. Oftentimes, the first year or two are absolutely great. We're just we're just roller coastering on this great high of of love and attraction. And then after usually a couple of years, and sometimes it can be less, and this also is true in our, in our jobs and in the positions that we hold in life, um, things start to kind of wear off, and so the yeah. novelty wears off. Now, this is, a, this is something that is a human condition, so I, I want your listeners to really understand that, that, this, uh, that this phenomena happens to all of us. And, of course, the key is that we have to, after a couple of years, we have to start, we have to start working on some new behaviors with our relationship or some, some new ways of looking at things to keep it fresh, hmm. to keep it lively, and, and to keep it exciting for us so we don't fall into that grass on the, is greener on the other side type well, of Well, yeah, topic. think of that in your marriage or just raising your family. I mean, eventually families aren't just cute. You know, eventually they're costly and they're exhausting. <laughs> And they're, you know, they're all of these other things. But so if, if, if that excitement level wears off and you can go find something more exciting, that's there, there's the killer of being a leader. A leader would be sticking to the decision long after the emotion of the decision has passed, right? The character. Very, 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 very solid advice. And, you know, you've, you've heard of the terrible twos for children. Yeah. A lot of this is the fact that we get tired as parents. Oh, and so all of a sudden our kids now <laughs> enter into this terrible two-age. Actually, a lot of it is just the fact that the novelty of having these young children is beginning to wear off, <laughs> beginning to wear us down. And this is true of anything that we do in life. And it's certainly true of our jobs, of our special relationships, of our friends. We really have to dig deep and to work on 
novel ways to keep excitement in in what we do and and this is a real key attribute of of real successful leaders sure well that's powerful so a recognize you know the excitement's going to wane a little bit so but you can also make it more exciting by just upping your skill set in the in whatever you're doing and whatever you're wherever you're practicing your leadership or testing yourself more or learning and growing you can intentionally make it more interesting absolutely and you know you you see a lot of this in the fitness center you know come january 1st we all make these great resolutions we go out yeah. and drop a few pounds and what happens it doesn't take two years oftentimes it can take two weeks you yeah. know or less and 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 the thought the excitement of it wears off and we lose track of of the goal we lose track of the of the end goal that we we originally had in mind and somehow successful leaders of all walks of life can somehow get there and they can get there through that you know that 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 time of oh this is hard work i got to get up at five o'clock every day and go to do this uh, but it's worth it the end product is worth it and and you know a lot of great leaders they find ways to get through that and i'm talking about parents i'm talking about anybody right. that that can do this um, because it is it is really a, a, an attribute of, of successful people. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. We I think when we think of leaders, we think of presidents, you know, university presidents. But humans are supposed to be leaders, and you know, pleasure and excitement will wane in anything you're doing, whether it's your job, your role as a mother, father, or your marriage. We, but we've got to pick up the game. Another idea that you you've kind of alluded to throughout the conversation so far is. This idea, and sometimes we get it just when you're given the role as a leader, that you are so important. So it's this this unchecked self-importance where you get this concept that you are the bomb, and every and you're you deserve so much from everyone else. Um, isn't, it kind of, isn't it kind of sad? You know, you, you see it on reality TV a lot, don't you? Yeah. With, uh, not to drop a lot of names, but like the Kardashians or whatever the yeah. kind of case is. Well, I'm important because now I have a name or I have a title. And, and boy, this is really a, a very subtle seduction. And, a, and in a lot of ways, people can start going down these very risky roads of all the overs in our life, overspending, overeating, over shopping, uh, you know, abusing alcohol, whatever the kind of things, because we somehow think, well, I can, I can handle it. I, I can, I can handle high speeds on the road because, well, I'm kind of an important. Well, person. you're different, right? I'm different, and 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 you know, this is really that very, very soft seduction that that we all kind of fall into, and uh, and and we really have to be able to navigate out of that. Yeah, <laughs> you I know. Love that. We are all important, every yeah. single one of us, and and let's let's check our importance at the door when we walk out during the day. It's it's good to have a good self uh, self healthy self esteem, but let's not take it to yeah. any extreme. Love that. Uh, we're talking again about a book by Stephen Mundahl. Um, it's called Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. He's teaching us the principles of being a true blue authentic leader in your life, in your family, of your organizations, wherever you have influence. Uh, Two big keys so far, though. You know, the the excitement's going to wane. Prepare for it. Try to always find other ways to make it in a healthy way more exciting. And watch out for being uh, too into yourself. You know, you're not all that in a bag of chips. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Continue talking about authentic leadership right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Our own Sky Skyboy on the board, making sure that we are playing the music that belongs to this show. Appreciate your diligence, Sky. I appreciate your diligence, Matt. I appreciate you using the exact same words I just used. Yeah, but, I, but I still appreciate it. It's a different meaning because you have different tasks that you have to do, and I appreciate all those tasks that you do and the diligence you use when performing those tasks. Thank you. <laughs> Took a long time. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, folks. Today we're talking about authentic leadership. And, uh, you know, the tendency as a leader, you know, we think it's always associated with a position, with a role, you know, with a big university. But it's not. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes, in all roles, in all responsibilities, in all genders. In reality, we are all leaders leaders of our family, leaders of our life. So we're working um, from the premise of a book written by our guest, Stephen Mundahl. He wrote the book, The Alchemy of of Authentic Leadership. And uh, Steve Mundahl is the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries in Western Massachusetts. He teaches leadership and personal effectiveness in the graduate school at Bay Path College and um, put out the book in 2013, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership, which you can find on his website, alchemyofauthenticleadership.com, alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, for those of you who are writing it down, alchemy of authentic leadership. Stephen, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Love having you on. And to me, um, I I think it's so important that we know some of these little subtle things that happen. We've talked about the fact of that uh, pleasure and excitement, they usually wane, they fade, unless you do something actively to keep, you know, something exciting. Whether it's being a parent, running a company, eventually you can get bored or just, you know, the game changes. You've taught us about the importance of watching out for that. You also talked about watching out for this uh, this unchecked sense of self-importance, that this attitude that because you're a leader, you're you're entitled to something different than than the rest of the people out there. What are some more behaviors we should be avoiding or watching out for to make sure that whatever we're doing, we don't fall from the perch, right? We don't lose. Our, our status as a, as a, you know, a moral, authentic, healthy leader? Well, that's a great question, and I think uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, very, very good answers. One of them is that we need to start living life with a good balance in it. And when I'm talking about balance, we take readers in our book through six in our rooms, and, and we talk about your top, we talk about your relationships, we talk about your career, your family, your physical and emotional health, Oh, we also talk about leisure, having fun. Mm. And oftentimes when we get out of balance, um, usually working two jobs or, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we can't help it. I, I, I get that. But oftentimes when we get out of balance, this is when our life starts to spiral out of control because it, it has kind of this domino effect. We, we start down a wrong road and all of a sudden we find ourselves uh, not taking good calculated risk in mm. life, but we find ourselves taking real risky types of, of behaviors. That's and, interesting. And oftentimes, and you can talk to anybody, but, but people who are outed uh, will always honestly tell you that it was an inside job. Nobody did it to them. Yeah. It wasn't anybody else's fault. It's always an inside job. That's Isn't that? And it's interesting because sometimes we we argue and make arguments for why we're so busy and why we're stretched so thin 
But in the end, what I'm hearing is it doesn't matter why you're stretched thin. It's it's going to it's going to wear you down. It's going to create opportunities for the fall. You're right, and you know if you don't get enough sleep, if you don't have a, a, a fairly balanced diet, you know a good a good phenomenon that we talk about in the book is something called the domino effect, where you stay up a little too late at night uh, watching BYU basketball or whatever the yeah. case might be. And and all of a sudden you wake up the next morning you've maybe had a, a few things that you shouldn't have had and ate a little bit too much and you you sleep late you grab a donut rather than having a good breakfast you you rush to work you get into a place now and all of a sudden one of the most important things might in life might happen to you at the very at that very moment uh, first thing in the morning mm. it could be a new relationship it could be an important decision and now you're running on bad nutrition, yeah. no sleep, and anxiety from having to rush about. And we just don't make good decisions under those circumstances. And then one begets another, and that begets another, and next thing you know, you're and in next rehab thing you know, and you're, you're exhausted. Or you fall or you do something really stupid. Yeah. And these are the, you know, again, I, it, it should go without saying that one should live a pretty balanced life. In my life, I make sure every single day that I take a walk, and, it's, and I, I might I might tell myself a story. I might yeah. tell the, the woods around me a story. But whatever the case might be, we've got to find a way to get back to our core being and get away from the rush and, and hustle and bustle of life. And, again, I understand that people really are stressed, in particular during this time of year. It's a, it's a very, very stressful time. But we have to be able to find a way to de-stress. We have to be able to find a way so that we can get back and make really good decisions in life and 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 stay in that in that good leadership role that all of us are capable of being. Hmm. Talk about the amygdala attack, uh, the that fight or flight part of our brain, because I mean we we get hijacked a lot by a part of our brain that I don't think most of us are even aware of. I mean we feel it every day, but how does the amygdala take over and maybe well, generate some pretty bad choices? It can make really bad choices. The amygdala is a part of our brain set up, and it's a part of our brain. What happens is is that when we get under very high stressful situations, uh, everybody has heard of the the acronym fight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that this part of the brain now goes into a survival mode, and everything about us now goes into uh, look. I'm in crisis. I have to. I have to uh, survive. I'll do whatever I can to do that. It could be fighting, it could be fleeing, or it could be absolutely frozen uh, and not being able to do anything. And I'm sure all of us have had a moment or two in our life where this has actually happened. And it is a phenomenon that happens under high stress. You get cut off in traffic, and what happens? Some people get enraged. Oh, yeah. And for the next hour or two, I mean, they might run, drive after this person down the road, or they. I'm going to get them. Yeah, right. I'm going to. And you know, the truth is that 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 behavior is totally wrong. No question about that. But somebody else does not have to ruin your day. And when you put your foot down and you say, "No, I'm not going to let somebody else ruin my day," uh, I'm I'm sorry. God bless you, and, and I hope that you don't get in a wreck someplace. But uh, I'm going to get myself back to a place where I can be at peace with my drive to work, and um, and that's an important 
it's an important place to go, not to that hijacking where the where the, the brain actually hijacks reason. We want to get right back to that, that good place of, of good reason. Love it. Uh, we're talking with Stephen Mundahl, by the way, president and CEO of Goodwill Industries. So you know of what you speak, Stephen. You're, you're practicing this with the Goodwill Industries, huh? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit every day. Absolutely. Good. We're going to be right back. More from Stephen Mundahl, Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. That's his book, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Uh, we're going to wrap it up after this break, but he's got some great points. You know, the things to watch out for the tenets of authentic leadership when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about authentic leadership. How do you make sure you're not knocked off the perch? So many of our leaders, uh, you know, end up being outed. You know, their private life ends up becoming a very public display and fall. We're talking to an expert who wrote the book on how to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. It was just released in 2013. His name is Stephen Mundahl. He's the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries in Western Massachusetts. He teaches leadership and personal effectiveness in the graduate school at Bay Path College and is the author of the book, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Stephen, welcome back. Thank you, Matt. So uh, as we're wrapping this up... um, we know there's a bunch of problems, right? There's, it's, we fall into the fact that our fight or flight kicks in. Sometimes we just start piling on problems by not dealing with them. Um, but overall, what, what are we supposed to do to stop it? How do we truly become authentic as a leader? And I guess also, who are we becoming authentic to? Like to me... Having some, you know, sense of a religious paradigm and a belief in a higher power keeps me in check a lot. I mean, not as much as I probably need to be, but it keeps me in check. So to me, being authentic is being authentic to my higher beliefs, my higher values. Is that what authentic leadership means? Well, it certainly means a lot of things to a lot of people. I totally agree with you, Matt. I mean, for me, uh, my ethical foundation is everything that I stand on. Mm. And if we don't have that really strong foundation of what life means to us, what it means to be a good person, why we should strive for that, you know, then the obvious question starts to be asked, well, if there's nothing to live for, why not just go for it? And right. so we have that around us. Uh, I, there's an acronym that we use in our book, and it's simply called RULER. And and this is a... Uh, like the like the ruler that we use uh, on our desk, mm-hmm. and and what what I what we talk about is that if we can name these thieves in our life that that take our power, that that take our emotions, that 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 take our willpower, if we can name them, we can tame them, and the ruler stands for recognize these things in yourself, try to understand them, why where they come from, what they do to you, try to label them try to express them in your life, 
and then try to regulate them. Mm. And this is really just about self-empowerment. This is, this is all about becoming the best leader that you can be in your own life. And I firmly believe that if you become the leader, other people around you will recognize that and they'll ask you to be the leader in, in many different settings. Is, isn't so, that moral? That's what moral authority is, right? I, I believe it's the highest authority yeah. in our life. It absolutely is. And, and, and you know, you could almost say that, that very powerful people get outed because this is a part of their own healing. And sometimes it takes what it takes. And you can talk to people in prison. You can talk to people who have been outed on the front page of the newspaper. And, and really honest people will tell you, Matt, gee, it was the best thing that ever happened mm. to me at the time. And, and that, can be, that can be a divorce. That can be a marriage. It can be a lot of different things. But oftentimes, maybe, maybe our soul just, just asks us to be outed so that we'll finally yeah. learn some of these valuable lessons in life and then get on with being a better person. No, so really. you can make a strong, you can make a strong uh, statement about the fact that maybe it's just a way that, that our higher being uh, does it so that, that it can heal us uh, once and for all. That seems like uh, that, that's probably a really good indicator of where someone is in the healing process. If they... If they actually are truly grateful they were outed, they're probably on their way to healing. And if they're you know, still remember, ticked about it, like, ah. Yeah. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. Nobody should you be outed. Nobody should be on the front page of the newspaper. But if it takes that, right? you know, I remember the I remember reading in, in, in the AA book, Bill, the, the writer and the founder of AA, I don't even know his last name, but he, I don't even know if he had one, but, yeah. but he said that he finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you reach the bottom of the bottom, and you might have listeners right now that are in the bottom of the bottom, then all of a sudden you realize nobody's put you there. Nobody really has put you there except the decisions that you have made to date. And you can start making some better decisions tomorrow, and, it, and, it, and it's painful, and nobody wants to do it, but it's the, it's the best and easiest way to get back into becoming the leader of your own life. I love that. Isn't that powerful? That's why, by the way, nobody in AA has a last name. Come on, Steve. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we don't use last name. But um, that's what's so funny. I do a lot of work, uh, not a lot, but I do some work at the prison in Utah. And that's it. Once, once these people have that spirit of, I, I, was, I was tired of being tired. And I'm, you know, and then they start to change. They start to take it on. You teach that there are seven tenants. Uh, to authentic leadership, why don't you walk us through what those seven tenets are? Because to me, these are like the core principles. Some of them you've already mentioned, but let's let's get through them because I and you've got you know we have about eight or nine minutes to do that. But what are the the tenets, the rules, the well these paradigms? You know, Matt, these are these are things that were very important to me in life, and the reason that I put them in my book is because they've just been the guiding principles of my life. So. Uh, if, if they're meaningful to others, that would be simply great. And they're in no particular order. But the first one is, is that we are all connected. And I love this. I love the 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 idea. You know, in our in our body, we have anywhere from seventy five to a hundred trillion cells. Hmm. And and the hair cell will never meet a toenail cell. But somehow they know that they're connected, and somehow they all work to make a yeah. human being. 
And, you know, the whole world, I think, works the same way. And, and by the fact that we are all connected, if we truly believe that nobody is out to get us, we are all intimately connected, it would be the end of war. It would be the end of strife. It would be the end of complaining because yeah. we're all deeply, deeply connected. You don't see the hand beat up the hair or the head. You know, you see it beating up someone else's head. But our bo- and the amazing thing about our body's connections is they're, they're all happening without us consciously doing it. Absolutely. I couldn't run my body for, for one half a second. <laughs> it would fall apart, no doubt. That's but, right. So, you know, I mean— Again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not professing any any particular uh, any, any particular line of, of faith. All I'm just saying is is that who runs this body? It, it, right. it isn't me. So consequently, there's a higher there's a higher authority in my life, and that authority allows me to be connected with everybody around me. And that really is a. It begins that when we start thinking like that, we start treating people differently and better right. and, and instead of walking by somebody and, and just ignoring them a little hello uh, an act of kindness those are all the things that keep us deeply connected hmm. what was the number two number two love... uh, this is my favorite one i think lately this is what uh, well just go this is where humans need to be well the second one that i wrote is that try to live in the present moment um, you know, if, if, if we can, the past is yesterday. The past is gone. The mistakes we made, they're done. Uh, and tomorrow hasn't happened. So try to live just in this present moment. Everything happens in this very moment right now. So you can, you can make a decision and, and fly with that decision. Uh, and, and it happens because it's in the present moment. So whatever you can do, Arrest your mind, take your mind, and take it from the past, take it from the future, and just try to breathe in this very special moment that we're given. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't, there isn't a, an infinite number of them in this physical body that we have. And it's just something that I live by simply because it's very important for me uh, to try to stay present. I had a, somebody tell me the other day how horrible they think the holidays are and how they dread the upcoming Christmas season. Now, that's somebody who's had a bad past, apparently, and is now already regretting, or like, uh, not regretting, but, you know, bemoaning the fact of the coming future. So that's somebody that's probably not living today. They've lived the past Christmas and the future one that's coming, but they're not there today. Well, you're absolutely right. And, And even worse... If if you take that that idea of dread going forward, guess what? Guess what comes to you? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it says in the Bible, as you sow, so shall you reap. And 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 the truth of the matter is, is that the, the thoughts we we sow today, oftentimes are are the actions that come tomorrow. So be very very careful what you wish for, because they actually might might come true. Right. Totally. Number three was live in balance. You've talked about that a bit. Yeah, I, I think there. We have talked about this, and 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 this is the balance of of not overdoing in any area of our life. Stopping and having some fun, stopping and making sure that we breathe and eat right. But the most important thing to me is every single morning, my wife and I have a spiritual time together before I go off to work and before she goes off to work. We have just sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's thirty minutes. However, whatever time we get up, but it has really become the foundation of my whole life simply because. 
it is the grounding time, mm. grounding time, so that if I do get a cut off in traffic, um, it, it doesn't throw my whole day off. Uh, it might throw me off for a minute or two, but then I get back to what is important, and that is to treat people with kindness and respect. And as I walk into my office, I want to make sure that, I, that I'm the very best leader of that day that I can be. And that is empowering other people and making other people feel that they are very special. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Uh, number four, there are only lessons. Yeah, so whatever happens to you, uh, these are the decisions that you made. Perhaps you might think that, you know, that, that, uh, that the world somehow beat you up on this particular thing, situation. But whatever has happened to you, we can, if we take it and, and look at it as a learning opportunity, all of a sudden, the, 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 you know, the, it changes, and, and it's not a malady that happened to us. It's a learning opportunity. Yeah. So if we look at whatever we've done in life, we can look at it and say, okay, I did that. I remember when Reese Witherspoon got caught. Uh, she, she, she and her husband had a little bit too much to drink, and they kind of chewed out the policeman. And you know what she did, unlike a lot of other leaders who get caught, she started going on the talk shows and saying, you know, I was really stupid. I oh, did a I really that. dumb act. I apologize. Yeah. We, should, we should really honor our law enforcement. And I really thought, now there's somebody who they made a mistake, Own but it. they learned their lesson yeah. and they're moving on. Yeah, I, fe- I forgot. Hers was a speeding ticket. Um, and the funny thing about that is people just let that go. I mean, th- that's an example. If you'll fall on it, take it as a learning experience, be real, be connected, be present, own it. People will forgive you for your fall. They really will. Great point. They really will forgive it. We live in this great society that people will give you a second chance. And, you know, if, if President Bill Clinton would have just said, look, I've got a sexual addiction problem. I've mm-hmm. got a little, I've got a problem, and, I, and I, want, I want to go out and help men and women everywhere with this situation. Instead of trying to deny it, yeah. he could have really done some great, great work yeah. with that whole situation that he was in had he and everybody else uh, looked at it as an opportunity uh, and as a learning lesson, something that we can learn from and move on from. But the yeah. more we deny it, the more we bury it, the more it will come back. Tr- well, the more, the less we'll trust you. And so the less <laughs> we trust totally you, true. the more we're going to keep hounding and looking for more. I mean, and, it's, it's and, interesting. And isn't that what happened? They yeah. wanted his neck, and, and, and rightfully so. Right, That's hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever to investigate him. I always look at that and I think, man, if somebody spent $100 million to investigate me, what would they find? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, and, 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 and the truth is they found all of his dirty laundry, and it would have really been the right thing to do. People would have probably forgiven him, but it would have been the right thing to do to say, yeah. look, I've got a problem. I'm going to get help for this problem, but even more so, I'm the president of the United States, and I'm going to go out and try to help everybody else with this problem. Yeah. Because the truth is that, you know, with pornography and all the kinds of distractions we have in our life, and this affects kids at a very, very young age, and it affects adults at a very old yeah. age. And it's something that, is, that can be broken. It is a cycle that can be broken. Once we learn the lesson that, look, it's just taking us down the wrong road. I love it. And, and we just got to get back on the high road. It, that's the high road. So that's the fifth point was live on the higher road. That's what you're saying is turn it to the higher purpose. Turn, it, turn whatever's going on to a higher purpose. 
Yeah, and, and, and all the decisions we make, the higher road just simply means I'll be the bigger person, I'll be the bigger man, the bigger woman, um, I'll reach out and, and help somebody who needs uh, help. But it also means something spiritually to everybody. Live on the higher road means, you know, giving uh, giving due to, to the great power around us and within us that is meaningful to us in life. I don't understand it all, Matt. I don't, I don't, I don't have full understanding of, of how it all works. Right. But one thing I do know is that, is that I don't run my life. I don't run my life. I can get in the way of my life, oh, yeah. but I simply don't run my life. And oftentimes the high road is simply just not getting in your own way and letting that higher road come through. Mm. Uh, number six, practice goodwill, live in gratitude. Well, that's my favorite one because I work for Goodwill. Goodwill, that's right. <laughs> uh, but you know, practicing Goodwill just is doing good work, and it's and it's and it's something that I love about people, particularly during this time of year. People get in a joyful mood, although when they rush through, you know, late night uh, shopping frenzies and that sort of thing, it can all break down so very quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, practice Goodwill. You have an opportunity every single day, probably every single every single minute or two, to do an act of goodwill. Uh, live with live with that live with that in your mind. Learn how to practice goodwill, and um, and 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 good things will come to you. Mm. Beautiful. Last but not least, number seven: live with faith. Yeah. So this is really the foundation of everything for me. Um, and I, I think if we learn to give our life to a higher power, um, and if we learn to live with a certain humbleness and a certain gratitude for all that we're given. And granted, we all want more, and granted, we all could use more. But look, if we can just sit back and really look at all what we really truly have, um, then all of a sudden we come from this place of gratitude and appreciation. And, and, uh, and whatever your faith is, whatever the foundation is, have a spiritual practice every single day, every single day, morning or night or whatever time works for you. Um, that, that spiritual practice is the one thing that will keep us grounded and, and keep us living in this attitude of, of gratitude and faith. Hmm. And that way we'll become the person that we want to become, and other people will notice that, and they will want to follow you. And that's Love when it. you know that you've stepped into your leadership. That's it. And, I mean, talk about a great Christmas message. The book, uh, again, is The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. And, Stephen, I guess they can just go to your website, The Alchemy. No, it's Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Yeah, the Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. They can go to any bookstore if they want. There's an ebook out there. I think it's about three or four dollars that they can order from Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any place like that. Uh, or if it's not in this book, it's it's in a lot of places. That's it's great. In a lot of places. Uh, it, it, this isn't knowledge that that is that is brand new. We just kind of repackaged a lot of things. Um, but you know, the idea is be the leader of your own life, and and leadership will find you. Yeah. It will find you. And uh, that is just, that's our message. Good work, Steve. So appreciate you being on the show, and uh, have a happy holiday season as well. Oh, the same to you, Matt. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. And thanks for taking care of Goodwill as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. I enjoy it. You're the best. We're going to take a break. Steve Mundahl, go check out the book, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about being an authentic leader, and our own Hannah Montana has been doing a lot of thinking, research, on the relationship between a person's core beliefs and their ability to be authentic. Is that, uh, what have you learned? What have you learned, Hannah Montana? Um, I think a big thing that I've learned is that growing up, we... um, we base a lot of our beliefs off of what our parents believe. Right. And so it's a big moment, you know, when we start to really understand and have um, a lot of drive based on our own beliefs. Yeah. And if you are going based off of someone else's beliefs, it makes it really hard to be authentic. Yeah, it then makes you're it really borrowing, hard to right? Be, yeah. A borrowed belief. So eventually you need to make the belief yours. If you're going to borrow it from your parents for a while, eventually you got to go figure out if you really yeah well it. and it's really hard to follow through if you don't actually have a conviction yeah for for what what are some core beliefs so i actually have a little bit of a process okay um of self-analysis and self-reflection so think about two to five values that have shaped your life two to five values that have shaped my life uh-huh. uh in retrospect or in proactive creating so i use these values to create something or just in hindsight uh hindsight Okay. Do you want them? You can tell. We can figure out your stuff. Um, One value is uh, hard work. Another value is the value of sacrifice. Maybe those are the same. You know, I believe when you sacrifice and work hard, you you gain a lot of benefits. Even if you don't get the job, you still got the skills, for example. Well, and I think that, that it's totally about, you know, um, having that, like, inner just drive yeah. and feeling. Whether whether it's about something that you're passionate about, like freedom, um, as you can see all this stuff right here, yeah. is a big list of some of the common personal values. Um, so, like, a value. So, if somebody has a value of freedom, they're going they're going to approach life differently. They're, they're going to be able to lead their life by understanding the importance of freedom or family. Yeah, They're or to make well, different some, decisions. Of, some of the ones in here, like a big thing for me is gratitude. Um, goodness is also a thing. One of the questions I ask myself is, how can I do the most good with the time that I have on Earth? Yeah. Um, is there a value for Cinnabon? C- yes, right there with the C's. Yeah. Um, oh, right c- there, community. Cinnab- yeah, Con- yeah, concern of others and Cinnabon. Change charity, Cinnabon. Did you notice, by the way, when I said Cinnabon? Somebody sat up. Yeah, I actually did. <laughs> did you notice? There was he, a noticeable shift yeah. in the whole table moved. Did you notice the he started changed. licking his lips? I didn't notice that. That's because he values it. See, that's one way to know <laughs> what someone values is what do they lick their lips for? Well, and it's about constantly adding new values. One of the things it talks about in here, which, by the way, I'm looking at an article called The Power of Personal Values. Hmm. Um and it was one of my favorites I read on the topic. It was saying, considering adding new values, constantly looking at, you know, what's something I really want to gain an understanding of? Um, and then getting a plan to implement those to implement those values for freedom. It might, you know, be doing civic stuff or yeah. making sure that you're being involved in your community. Voting. Voting. Yeah. But and it can be it can be like, I don't know, just fun too that there's there's a lot of uh, areas where you can go out and have fun. Like one of the common personal values is actually fun. Really? Yeah, to to enjoy life. So, but don't you think like like fun? You can have fun with Cinnabon. Yeah. Plus, you can do civic duty with Cinnabon. 
you could deliver them at a voters a voting site. Yeah, totally. So, I think that what we're trying to really say is that Cinnabon should be a core value for America. Yeah, I totally agree. And Thumbs warm up chairs. From Sky. Remember, warm chairs. Warm chairs, Cinnabon. Actually, I would like warm chairs and massage chairs. I see. Together. Massage chairs are awkward to me. Some of them are really awkward. The ones that are like the pads on yeah. that are just like vibrate and are weird. Yeah. Have you ever gone to a Brookstone? Is that what they're called? I don't know. A Brookstone um, store? Is that, are they called Brookstone? They're at the malls and they've got oh, those, all the massagers like, weird, and the chairs, chairs and it's a, it's, it's a kind of a high end. Anyway, when I walk in and some guy's in a massage chair, I always feel kind of weird. <laughs> like, ugh, I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't you it's it's like invasion of privacy. Yeah. It's awkward. And like when they're like making a weird noise like uh <laughs> it's weird. So you don't like other people in the massage chairs, but do you yourself like no. being in the massage no. chair? If you're gonna get a massage, go get a massage somewhere else. Don't do it at the mall in a chair with your eyes closed. Especially don't recline. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. That's just a little Matt Townsend pet peeve. I'll be. I'm. I'm that guy in the chair. Sometimes. No, I know you are. I've seen you. In fact, I heard you I slept there chairs. last week. <laughs> I'd rather have a real massage, but I mean, if that's not yeah. available at the moment, you'll just go get a free massage. Especially if, like, at my mom. I'm, if I'm with my mom, and she's like off doing stuff. She's off shopping. You'll just go to just Brookstone and start doing chair. the chair. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of embarrassing. That tells us a lot about what kind of husband you're going to be. Really? Yeah. You're going to be the bench sitter. You're going to be the guy that goes and sits on the bench in the middle of the mall, kind of ornery. Where are you? Where are you? Mm. And then you'll go, I'm getting my <laughs> massage. Jeez. I got a, I've had one massage, like professional massage in my life. Um, it was actually in like the last three months. It was kind of weird. It's. It wasn't really like, it didn't. Like feel relaxing. Yeah, I felt or... weird. But then, then I ended up hurting. But I actually love it now. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't use it. Well, I just want to be like, will you just like, I don't know, play with my hair, give me a scalp massage, tickle really? my back. I don't know. It sounds like you'd rather cuddle with your boyfriend. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> somebody needs to go see James. <laughs> no, anyway. but really, it's just, it's. Did you know? Sorry, better. real quick. I saw the, an, an article about this the other day. You can hire people to come cuddle with you. Yeah. For like an hour. That's yeah. freaking awkward. They're like professional awkward. cuddlers. Yeah. yeah. Bryce found that out earlier, but <laughs> he, um, he, his is a dog service. Uh, they'll just bring a yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. They bring a dog by. Puppy but, for hire. But there are people that are, yeah, they'll do professional cuddling. Yeah. I heard that there's really only one lady that does it. I saw two. Oh, there two. The article mentioned two. Okay. Well, and one of the ladies had like a little business, so I think she had other people. Yeah. Some people don't call that. Cuddling. What if someone smells? Yeah, I think that'd be illegal. super awkward. <laughs> yeah, it is awkward. Hi, I'm here for my five o'clock cuddle. Blech. Well, come on in, little lady. Blech, blech, that is blech. so awkward. Uh, that was not to blow up your values talk, but I just did. <laughs> you kind of did. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Sorry about that. But we got into some pretty good stuff. Got to value humor. Yeah, humor. And Cinnabon. Uh. And massage chairs and Skyboy values cuddling. At $60 an hour. (laughs) Good luck to you, Sky. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our great contributor, Julie Nelson, will be joining us. She's going to help us understand how to admit mistakes, if hypothetically you ever make one, uh, to your children. How do you go about cleaning that up? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to BYU Radio.
Welcome back, Kidlets, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we have been talking about authentic leadership, and now we're going to take it right home. Who else to do that but the Julie K. Nelson. Julie is a wife, mother of five, author of Parenting with Spiritual Power. She's got a master's degree. She's got degrees all over the place in marriage and family and human development. She teaches classes such as Applied Parenting and Marriage and Relationship Skills at Utah Valley University. She's been featured in our written in academic journals and other online media. She's the bomb. I think you called me the child whisperer last time. You're the child whisperer, yeah. and you're now the bomb mom. All right. Those titles are great. That up. The bomb mom. All right. I got to write that down. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Some people apparently make mistakes with their children. <laughs> that wouldn't be us. No. But hypothetically, if a parent were to make a mistake, what should they do? Because it seems like you may not want to tip your hand at your imperfection because mm-hmm. then they're going to have, you know, they'll have a, 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 a they'll be they'll have a little wedge mm-hmm. and then they'll work. And the that's wedge. what leaders fear most, yeah. because, you know, we just talked about authentic leadership right. with your previous guest. And the last thing you want to do is to expose your dirty laundry to those who should have your ultimate trust. Right. As a leader, you want to maintain, you know, the head of your organization with responsibility and have control over everybody. And so therefore they should look up to you as the quintessential leader the guru yes yeah you would never go to a a surgeon who says well i'm 76 percent sure Ah. i can do that operation Ah. i was so close yeah yeah next time next time give me another chance yeah so you want to have ultimate trust in your leaders well that's the same way in your home i mean who doesn't look up to their parents like they're superwoman superman and so you know we kind of keep this persona up there where we we can do it all yeah we can do no wrong we can make but you're setting yourself up because these kids aren't going to be perfect yeah I mean, you might be. But you want to be the example of perfection. See, again, right. you're like, do what I say and do yeah. what I do, because then if you do uh, that, then your know, life will turn out. And so you, you kind of set yourself up as this, I'm, I'm the person right. to look for, um, is, a, is an example of perfection in life um, to our kids. Because yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but follow my lead, because yeah. I, did, I did it right, kids. Yeah. Uh, that's wrong. That is so wrong, because it, it really creates an unhealthy uh, atmosphere in your home. It's not real. No, not at all. You're a big liar. That's right, because... The reason why we do this in research will say, uh, point to something called cognitive cognitive dissonance. Yeah. You know about that, Matt, where you, you think one thing is true and we, we know one thing is correct in life, but then you do something that's yeah. counter. And then you have this dissonance in your life where I, I would say, for instance, I shouldn't eat – all that chocolate yeah. cake because that's really bad for me. But then I end up indulging myself and there's oh, yeah. another piece and there's another My piece. My kids, I tell them they shouldn't drink Diet Coke. Yeah. It'll kill them. I told them you know, the, their legs won't grow. <laughs> and then they're like, and, well, why do you drink it? And then you do it and then yeah. you're a bad example. And then in your head you're thinking mm-hmm. dissonance. Yeah. I, I'm unbalanced because I did something opposite that what my core beliefs were. Right. And so then we try to cover it up. No, then you eat, if you eat chocolate with it, the, your legs will grow. <laughs> <laughs> See, so, so when I so when I go up and steal my kids' Halloween candy, and they yeah. say, "How come half my bag's missing?" and I say, it "Wasn't me." I don't know. Someone's stealing stuff. So, 
it's the it's the candy fairy. Because, We're a bunch of liars. Because I want to maintain consonants in mm-hmm. my life. I want to re- maintain balance that I'm still that perfect person that I don't indulge my passions in front of my children. Wrong leadership model. Right. You know, because we don't want to set our set up, set up, up that we're just so perfect we can never make a mistake. You should model being a human mm-hmm. and model the frailty. I mean, you don't have to like go master the blow up and mess everything up, but you just will. But parents have a really hard time showing that human side because mm-hmm. they think that means weakness, vulnerability, my kids won't trust me, right. that all sort, those sorts of things. But we, we have to be true to ourselves, and sometimes that means being honest with our mistakes yeah. and taking responsibility for the consequences of what I've done. Hey, kids, you know what? I did eat your candy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it made me sick. It made Don't me eat sick. that, you guys. <laughs> it made me sick. Yeah. Yeah, mom's bad. <laughs> no, no, admitting, saying, you know, you know, kids, I yelled at you today, and that was wrong. Because I know in my core beliefs that yelling at you is just not a yeah. good thing. And will you help me? Because I want to get over my tendency to yell when I get angry. So I'm really sorry. I, I want to work on this. Now, yeah. what child would not respect that honest response from, right. from a parent? Well, and they won't. I mean, they're going to learn Dad. You, dad's real. Dad's mm-hmm. a human being. Dad's not playing a game. Right. There's always a day and a time when you realize your parents were full of it. <laughs> You're like, what a liar! They weren't so great yeah. after all. No, yeah. Mom kept saying the, ch- the our candy would disappear, <laughs> but it's really mom and a chocolate. It was coma. that tooth fairy that came along yeah. and took it. No, you don't want to have that day of aha! Of, oh my gosh, my parents were false to mm-hmm. me. So along the way, be true to yourself by being true to your children, and I then they that. won't have that day of falseness. The things that you learn, Matt, that I have found in my research is that there's three great benefits of admitting your mistakes. Yeah. One is is that no one is perfect, and that's a good thing. Right. Because you want kids have the, the, the comfort of knowing that when you slip up, it's okay. You can make mistakes because what parent wouldn't want their child to take risks right. and perhaps make a mistake, but then learn from those yeah. mistakes. Yeah, so kind of normalize mistake making. Huh? Yeah, because so many kids are paralyzed with perfectionism. Oh, uh, I know. We the, just had a whole show on that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then the parents set them up for inflated yeah. ideals, and then the kids can't live up to it. And then, and then they procrastinate, yeah, and they can't awful. do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah, so, I mean, really, really make it real that it's like, wow, you're not perfect, I'm not either. Welcome to the club. This is awesome. But, you know, not the fact that we want to be defeatists, but right. we want to make sure that we're all okay yeah. with that we're good enough and we're just working and trying. I and love then, that. And then we forgive each other. Lots more easy. Yeah. Then yeah. all of a sudden it's it's the norm to, you know, we're, oh, we just blew it. We're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then apologize sincerely. Like I said, it's, you know, mom's not perfect. Dad, you know, I'm not perfect. I was not good today. I'm going to be better tomorrow. Yeah. G- you know, give me another chance. Yeah. That's what to do. Today's, you yeah. know, kind put of your bowl. Over. You can put your candy bowl out. <laughs> Mama won't touch it. Just go to school. <laughs> and it's kind of nice to have kids on your side going, yeah, mom, you can do it. Yeah, that's you know, neat. yeah, dad, you, you know, and they have, a, a, we're on the same team. You know, rather than it's, it's, you know, we're on opposite sides and you're not perfect, but I am. Yeah. And uh, there's this dissonance. Does it matter? Like, because I, I can see families that where they just haven't instituted this ever. And so some grandpa's out there driving home and he hears this. Mm-hmm. It's never too late. No. To start apologizing. No. And I've, I tell parents, if you've had a long track record of doing something that was not healthy in your, in your family, let's say it's going to be that you, uh, you know, you throw pots and pans when you get mad. And yeah. There's lots of dents in your walls. <laughs> then you sit down and say, you know what? 
I grew up from a family that were throwers and yellers. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of pots and pans that got dented in my walls when I was growing up. You know, and I just learned that was the way you did it. But, you know, I've been learning about how to be a better parent. And I've not been doing it so great. I mean, I did some good things. Yeah. But I want to do better, kids. And, you know, this is – I've been parenting for 15 years or whatever it is. But from now on, I want to be better. Now, what child wouldn't say, wow, dad's trying to do better Mm -hmm. and be like, yeah. You know, because then that tells them that I could have been making mistakes for a long time, but I can turn it around tomorrow right. too. Well, and it seems like what we're afraid of is that they'll throw it back when we're not. And they'll say, see, Dad, you're not even trying to be better. But the reality is they're already thinking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so and, now now it's just out in the open. Now we're just being real about it. And the one thing that kids, oh, boy, they have the hypocrite radar. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is the one thing. you're Hypocrite being a, and fair. Yeah. It's got to be fair. And fair and hypocrite. You're mm-hmm. being a hypocrite right now. That's yeah. the dissonance. They're seeing that you say one thing, but yeah. you're doing another. So if you're honest and saying, you know what, I really know this is a core belief that I shouldn't be, you know, breaking dishes when I'm mad. Yeah. That's wrong. Then you're not being a hypocrite. You're being true to yourself, and then you're going to get kids on your side helping you. They're going to be hiding the plates. Mom's mad. Hurry, quick, hide the plates. You know, and 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 you're giving them permission to help you. What if, what if you don't like? See, I don't want my kids to drink like diet beverages. <laughs> We're back to the- <laughs> because um, back to me for a minute uh, because I'm a tightwad mm-hmm. and I don't want them partaking of my beverages because <laughs> then and you know this is going to cost me more. So um, I guess I should just – if I'm going to drink it, I should let them drink it. Yeah. <sighs> but again, you can say, you know, kids, this is a little extra in the budget. Dad makes the money. Mm-hmm. I buy this. It's just a little extra. Yeah. Now you all, you know, go go get some, you know. Go get a Capri jo- Sun. Go get a job <laughs> and get your little extra money and you could buy your own Pepsi. You know, oh, I mean, you, you can go. do that as well. What if you just – what if I do apologize? I, I'm sorry – that I'm not letting you have any of my f- stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you a job around the house. You can earn some extra money, and you can go buy a Pepsi if that's what you want. You can go buy a Capri Sun. That's right. That's right. So that's why I buy them Capris, you know, because no one else wants that. <laughs> they can, you get those. I'll, I'll have these. Um, you know what I liked about what your previous guest said was his, he had those seven tenets yeah. or core values or whatever those were. Number four was is that everything is a lesson in life. Love it. And the, one of the things I have learned about when we admit our mistakes for our children is is that our mistakes are tutors for growth. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with his number four point. Yeah, they are. And so if we understand that that you when you make a mistake, I can learn from that. Um, I can be better from that. It's kind of like the school teacher who um, I really admired this school teacher who she would make a mistake in her classroom and then she'd say, "Oh, I made a mistake." Whoops, I got to fix that. And then the kids learned it's okay. This is an environment where it's okay to experiment and and we can make a mistake. And, you know, it doesn't have to be our best work every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we can fix it. And that's what erasers are for on our pencils. See? Yeah. And then built in. Built in. Yeah. And then you realize it's okay for me to uh, learn from, you know, growth, like where I get characteristics of persistence, of patience, rather than being the perfect person every time right i don't we need to be that perfect person but i can i can have character traits that carry me through life that are of greater importance oh i love that i mean you think about just your teaching Mm -hmm. it's easier to teach when you're admitting you have no clue at times yeah and i'll say that that. and some teachers in the classroom will be the sage on the stage and then every question they have to have an answer for and i'm like you know what i don't know that one i'll throw it back to the students and say what do you think i really don't know 
And Thomas Edison was a great example of this. Someone asked him why he hadn't yet successfully invented the light bulb. I like this quote. I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways it won't work. Yeah. Persistence. I mean, imagine being the parent of Thomas Edison who learned that it's okay to fail. I just failed 10,000 times, but I'm going to figure out how to make the light bulb work. (laughs) Don't you wonder how many times they're like, oh, man, little Thomas. Not that again. Guy. Not again with that, that light bulb idea. That guy goes through idea. more filament than anybody I've ever met. <laughs> I'm not buying you any more filament. Get a job and buy it yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm enabling you by buying you all this filament. <laughs> but, man, what a great attitude that I can learn from that's my huge. mistakes because, you know, that's where the real growth happens. Well, and it's the, ne- you know, it's the next one that's the key, right? It's the 10,000 first mm-hmm. that didn't fail. Mm-hmm. That, oh. Mm-hmm. But each one was learning. Yeah. Yeah. So the last point, Matt, I would say is that – and it's the best one for me. I love this – is that when you make your mistakes as a leader in your home, then you're teaching your children to take responsibility for your actions. We need this in leadership and communities in the world. We need this in politics. We need this everywhere. I mean we see less and less of people standing up saying, I was wrong. You know, he used the example in our, your last segment where Reese Witherspoon yeah. said, yes, I, I was yeah. wrong. And she went on talk shows and admitted it. But then, you know, President Clinton did not. And the effect that had and the money involved there. If we could just have more leaders that would say, I'm going to fix that. Right. I'm, I'm going to help others who are like me that also have that same weakness. Right. I can then lend myself to helping others and them. And, you know, what what a great outcome that could be rather than, than hunkering down and saying, I don't know, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, what? And then trying what? to cover up for what I did. Right. Rather than, than reaching out and saying yes and then making yourself a larger person yeah. and opening yourself up to those who also. And when you do that, when you make your mistakes, you'll have people coming from all over going, oh, I had the same struggle. Yeah. <gasps> I didn't know anybody else. And then you have these connections all over. Your, and then your influence grows. So mm-hmm. so now you become an attractor. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because you're broken, but get in line. Mm-hmm. Everyone's broken. <laughs> but you're now – But you, it's. I guess what it is is you've made it safe. You've made it safe mm-hmm. to be human. Because there's so many people that sit around thinking I'm the only one that yeah. deals with this. But if you're honest, how refreshing that would be. And then for your children, the esteem and the trust – just goes up when they see that you take responsibility for your actions and you're teaching them yeah. that when you when something happens and they break you know the neighbor's window you got to go over there and say I'm sorry Mrs. Smith yeah. and I will go and f- I will fix this I'll earn the money and I'll fix your window because you've done that yourself you've shown them oh, yeah. how to take responsibility when you made a mistake oh. and that's the best le- learning tool ever see parenting's hard oh but it's awesome is it? it it is are you having a bad team man <laughs> It seems so hard. If it shouldn't be this hard, no. Why? It seems like God should have made easier children. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) I guess that's what he thought about me. Yeah. Hmm. It's um. It's it's an interesting thing because this gets kind of the core of your own humility. And sometimes, if you're not humble enough, Mm -hmm. it's it's. We think the modeling of the perfect behavior is the best way, right. but it's probably the modeling of your imperfect. Of the imperfect behavior that's the best way. Yeah. 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 We probably don't trust modeling of perfection. Yeah. I even had one of my kids say to me once, and it really hurt me because they said, I, I didn't want to tell you about that issue I was having with my life because you're so perfect. Oh. You would never understand. Yeah. Now, see. I have never said that. <laughs> Ever. I was like, corrected that child right away. Yeah. You know, that if they perceive you as un- unattainable, yeah. untouchable, 
yeah. then you're not going to be mm-hmm. accessible to that child when they need you. That's why I like to play the fallen angel. <laughs> Because the, the fallen dark, angel, the dark every angel. child relates to the dark angel. <laughs> it really, it's interesting um, who, because you, you can sometimes see your child goes to the parent mm-hmm. that is most accessible uh-huh, and, yeah, and safe in the, in the way they need the safety. Mm-hmm. And like my wife and I are different in safety. Like my wife's highly predictably safe. <laughs> And I'm kind of more in the catastrophe safe. So in the moment of the fire and catastrophe, they want to come to me because my crazy radical way of living is pretty safe because mm-hmm. they know we'll get through. Mm-hmm. My wife might have a breakdown during the chaos, but you know, in the normal day-to-day, I'm bored. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. You, you, pull, you just pour more fuel on that fire because yeah. you want to see it burn. I do. I like because there's really cool things that happen when you add just a little bit more lighter fluid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's not blue hot yet. It's just it's getting there. Wow. Julie, you're the best. Are you going to stick with us? We're going to play it. We're going to have a quiz coming up. All right. I don't know what it is. See, they like to surprise me. We never know what it is. It's I like a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I know what it is, I change it to be something else. <laughs> right, Sky? And you might work a Cinnabon in there somewhere. Oh, I am so hungry. Huh. That's not a bad idea. Got to find a I'll Cinnabon. I'll go run and get one for you. You didn't you didn't bring Cinnabon Cinnabons no. today. No. Well, if I would have known, time. if I would have known. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay, go check out uh, Julie's website, nelsonjuliek.com. Letter, letter K. Letter K. Nelsonjulieletterk.com. And go check out her book, Parenting with Spiritual Power. She is the bomb. She is the bomb mom and the child whisperer. Child whisperer. Julie Nelson. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with our risk quiz. Right after this, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Risk Quiz Show. Our host, Bryce Lamar Tobin. Are you a risk taker? No. Can I get like, some applause or do you have any... Oh, that's... Oh, that was funny. Ah, that's close enough. That's fun. It's close enough. Okay, so, so how does this work? I will ask you questions. Okay. Um, your answers are, I'd probably. Okay. I definitely wouldn't. And I wouldn't do any of those. I would... Oh, boy. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Okay. Um, I will tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> um, here is... Thank you. What? Did my wife call? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But we'll do scores. We'll do scores. Okay. okay. Number one, an entrepreneurial friend of yours offers an exciting job in a new venture of his, but it will mean giving up your secure and rather boring job. That's a loaded question. I'll just say your, your job in the civil service. Do you turn down the offer straight away? Do you spend several days thinking about the pros and cons or say yes without much hesitation? Julie? Oh, gosh. Um, probably not. Okay. Wow. I do B. I would think about it for weeks. That's right. Pro- and then I would forget to call him back. <laughs> I would think, forget, move on with my life yeah. like nothing happened. I got it right? 
Um, actually, I don't know. It's whatever. Oh, it's okay. a, I mean, I guess who's the risk taker? So far, um, neither of you. Well, neither of you are taking a risk. I at there. least I let it on like I was going to take a risk. She just eliminated the risk immediately. One was honest. One was de- no. Actually, the the say yes without much hesitation. That would be the way I would describe uh, dealing with people around here. They're like, "Hey, you going to do this? Yeah, yeah." And yes, then that's people. it. And then they never do. That's it. And then you got to see them at a party, and you're embarrassed. Like I'll tell Skylar, "Hey, Skylar, are you going to help me do stuff?" And he'll be like, "Yes." And, and he then never show up five minutes before the oh, show. I know. I know. I'm kidding. Oh. Which almost killed you because he was supposed to be your scuba dive partner. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I went down to the very bottom where there were alligators. He said he'd be there. That's against scuba diving rules. You can't go by yourself. All right, question number two. It's Saturday night, and the feeling's right? No, 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 it's Saturday night. Stop it. Stop it. No, but seriously, folks. You and a friend are walking along the street, nowhere special to go. Some interesting but rather unusual people who you met briefly at a party last weekend drive up in their car. They invite you to another party about 50 miles away. Do you (laughs) refuse politely and walk off? B, take the address of the party, find out if your friend thinks you should go. Or C, jump in the car right then. Oh, we know what Julie would do. (laughs) We we know Julie would hop in the car. Uh Uh-huh. And then she'd come back two days later. In body, yeah, different except, body parts. Yeah, yeah, except she'd be missing a kidney or something. <laughs> Where did my kidney go? Like, ah, it hurts. What would you do, Julie? I do That's B. B is a good one. Get the address. Yeah. Yeah. I would. But with cell phones these days, really, you're, you're pretty safe. Right. You're okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, famous last words. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, you know what I would do? What? I'd fake sick. Just throw up right I'd there. I'd probably drop down on my knees and be like, ow. I'm allergic to socializing. And then they they just drive away. That's fine. You can do that. See? And once again, neither of you are risk takers. No. Uh, but also, seriously, someone's like, hey, you met me one time. Let's go 50 miles away to a party. Yeah. yeah. A little scary. Like, totally. that's... Mm-hmm. Leave your cell phone. <laughs> um, and uh, could you put this black bag over your head? <laughs> like, mm, I'm not comfortable with yeah. where this is going. Can you hold my rope? <laughs> Here's some duct tape. Yeah. All right. Could you put this over your mouth? Can you cut don't this about two right? foot. Could you get in the trunk too? Yeah. Don't, don't do mind that. the other guy. See, we're not. It's, we're smart. It's not about risk taking. We're not idiots. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly. Well, you also don't have any fun. But dead people can't have fun. No. So that is a great. That, by the way, I if anybody that. walks away with down. something today, so when it comes to risk taking, that's that the best on, line ever today. Put that Bryce. on a meme and send it out to your people. That's a good Dead name. Dead people can't have Dead fun. Dead people don't have Or they can't have any more fun. Oh, That's good. Okay. No, that was okay. good. Okay. Uh, you got any more? Uh, sure. Easy. I got one more. Let's do one more. Uh, some friends of yours have got together to buy you a special birthday present. A 200-meter bungee jump. How do you? Everything's in meters and kilometers. Yeah. In this, so clearly Merit, that's why, that's why Merit got this from Nobody somewhere across the pond. Meters. But yeah, uh, bungee jump, okay? Would you A, angrily... Would you respond angrily in that they've wasted their money on something you won't do? B, would you agree to do it, but spend the weeks before the jump feeling terrified? Or C, enthusiastically say, sounds like a great challenge. You know what, Bryce? I was here for another quiz, and they did the bungee jumping question. Did and I, I mean? answered affirmatively that one. You, that you would do it? Yeah, and you were all shocked. I would do it. <laughs> would you wear that headset? <laughs> Finally, someone takes a risk. I would do it. I've always wanted to. Go for it. What would you do, Matt? I wouldn't do it. I what I do? They have to be there when I do it. Uh, yes. Oh, because I was going to take the coupon and go sell it. 
Oh, the old, the old, hey, could you buy me an airplane ticket there? Cash that airplane ticket in? Yeah, I'm not. Don't go. No, I've already done the airplane acrobatic stuff. I'm not doing bungee jumping. Besides, it's in meters. So who knows how it's deep the that is? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows. They don't measure right. They don't measure. How, That's many, why how many rods die. is that? Like 20? What is like, that? I don't know. How many fur, furloughs? Furlongs. <laughs> furlongs. How many furlongs is that? It's a lot Maybe of furlongs. Six? I should know that because I'm is in that, the Does that club. count as a league? Yeah. Are, are That's girth, 20. It's like 20. Is that 20 leagues? 30 leagues? Cubits. Cubits. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why we don't do it. You're a risk taker. Just as long as the bungee cord is shorter than... Good stipulation. Yeah. yeah. There, that was not in the oh, question. Yeah. That's Could a very be. technical have to find risk. That out. See, so she's a smart risk taker. Yeah, there you go. There I go. would do it as long as Julie went first. And then after she went, <laughs> I, I would If I came leave. back up, then you... <laughs> yeah. If she would do it, I, I would do it. See, we've learned... This was easy. That dead people can't have fun. Okay, what's the quote? The final quote, and we're going to leave you with this thought. Again, just a little nugget. We call them little nuggets from <laughs> the Matt Townsend Show. What's the nugget? Dead people can't have any more fun. True dat. That's a great point. Let that soak in overnight. We're going to take, uh, we're done. We're out of here. Thanks for joining us. You know, we learned a lot today. I learned a lot. I cut Hannah Montana short took it a whole different direction thanks for joining us folks we'll be back tomorrow more fun more excitement this is the matt townsend show in about 10 seconds you're going to hear sky boy do a little uh, news break and uh so excited don't laugh through it even though we will be <laughs> this is the matt townsend show you're listening to it right here on byu radio 